Denver with Brian Smith and Sean Modry. Today we have a special guest, Julio Quesada. Hey, what's going on, everyone? All right, Julio, uh, thanks for being here today. And uh, let's start off by hearing a little bit about you. Tell us, everybody, about you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, for those of you listening, my name is Julio Quesada. I'm a Denver native, most will say. I've been here since I was five. I was born in Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, uh, out there in Mexico. I came out here, uh, and I've been doing real estate now for nine years. June will be the ninth year. I'm a Keller Williams guy. I can't tell you about other things. I've been with Keller Williams for basically all of my career, except for three months. I was with a small brokerage. I don't really count that as part of my career. I didn't get enough support. And uh, I joined Keller Williams, I believe it was in September of nine years ago, whatever the math is, right? And uh, been doing it, been growing my business, been loving it. At this point, I've been able to reach the um, investor side of things, and I'm trying to lean on that heavily. Uh, the more I get into it, and I'm just loving it. I'm loving my real estate career. So Awesome, Julio. So what did you do before real estate? Yeah, I was a server at a restaurant downtown across Union Station. Some of you guys might have been to it, a Venice Restaurante. They got a really cool wine bar, started off as a busser, became a server, then a bar back. And it was nice because you would get quick cash, you know. I don't know if you guys ever worked the restaurant jobs, but you get cash every day. And that was kind of fun at 21. So You you know, it's funny you bring that up. Um, When I started my career, I came out of the restaurant industry too. I was a, I was a kitchen manager for Bojo's pizza in Idaho mm-hmm. Springs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me, it was a big joke in our, the office I worked in is because all of the top producers in that office, all three of us, mm-hmm. we were all from the restaurant industry. So we used to joke about how similar real estate and restaurants are because you have to be super responsive. Mm-hmm. You have to negotiate between the customer and the cook, right? Yep. And you only get paid if it, if it closes, right? <laughs> if you get the job done. If you get the job done. I think there's a lot of similarities with the restaurant industry and with uh, teachers. I think mm-hmm. teachers make really good real estate agents. I've met a lot of people that are successful or getting started, and they, their business just kind of launches. So I don't know what it is about restaurants. I don't know what it is about teachers, but those are like the two that I see show up a lot. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so you get your license, and how did it go in the beginning? Well, just like everyone else, I think I was just – looking for deals. I was eager. Um, I didn't have much of a resume. I was a little bit, you know, behind the ball, I guess you could say, you know, I was 20, uh, 24, I believe at the time when I started, uh, 20, 22, actually, uh, when I had started real estate. So I was just eager. I was doing what my coach would tell me, you know, I had a productivity coach. Her name was Kathy McKay. Um, she just told me, Hey, go out there. Your only job is to lead generate go on appointments, go do open houses, go talk the lingo, and eventually you're going to stumble upon deals. And that's what I was doing. I was also part-time. And then um, when I got with Keller, uh, I remember my first closing was December 31st of 2024, uh, 2020, 2014, I'm sorry. Um, and it was New Year's Eve, and I closed my first deal. So, Well, happy New Year's Eve. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that was an exciting New Year's. <laughs> okay, awesome. So now today, where are you at? So you have a team. Yep. I have a team. We're the Pristine Properties Real Estate Team uh, out of the Keller Williams downtown office. Okay. And what's your production look like? So in 20, um, last year in 2022, we did, uh, 79 units for 35 million. 
Wow. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. very cool. Okay. Yeah. Now tell me about the makeup of your team. Who is on your team and what roles do they play? Right. So I'm the rainmaker. Uh, you know, my job is to provide opportunities for my team, to coach them, to guide them, to help them get to the next level. Um, we have two other agents um, on my team. The team structure is they can do listings and they can do buyers. Uh, so there's not specifically a listing agent per se. I think that that works well with just with the lead conversion. And then we have a full-time ops. Uh, we have a, a full-time ops manager that helps us with the marketing, with the flyers, with events. We lean heavily on events every quarter. We have our movie night coming up on April 7th, rented out an entire movie theater for 202 seats. And he's managing that. He's talking with the movie theaters and stuff like that. And then we just introduced on Monday, we introduced an ISA. We call him a relationships manager, and he's going to be calling through our database of about 8,000 leads, uh, you know, to kind of warm him up for us, set call appointments, and let the agents take him from there. So, wow. lot to unpack there, huh, Sean? I have so many questions. Well, why don't you start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's start on the... Uh um, let's start on the operations side. Um, so is your operations, uh, manager, mm-hmm. um, are they virtual or are they full-time? Jonathan comes to the office. Works so full-time from the office. Works full-time. He works from home every now and then he doesn't need to be here. Uh, he comes in and out, but he kind of knows his roles now. He's been with me now for about two years. Excellent. So he knows what he needs to get done every day. He knows if there's things going on that I should know about. And then he brings ideas to the table about how we can improve our events, maybe a different venue next time, or maybe opportunities that are coming up as he's doing his job. So, so, so when you are making the decision to hire that position, obviously, especially two years ago, mm-hmm. when you were looking at hiring, um, the, all the rage was VAs going virtual people working from home, you know, and so what, what made the decision to have somebody in the office? Well, I like it just because we can communicate. I think um, seeing someone face-to-face just kind of helps build our communication, and I think we can adapt on the go and stuff. So that was attractive to me. Um, Jonathan was my first hire. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I was, you know, before that, I was a solo agent. I was just doing my own thing. Uh, the opportunity came up. Um, you know, I had too much lead. I was too busy, and I was probably losing business, which is why we had to get that ops manager, executive assistant at the time. And uh, it was just really attractive to have someone. I'm more of like a visual person. And I would say that for me, a virtual assistant to start was not the best route to go. Although I I get the benefits of it. So, yeah, I love it. It's, uh, you know, I mean, he's building it the old school MREA way, right? Like you go from yourself to a V or to your operations manager. You know, most agents make the mistake of they add more salespeople, right? And then nobody is running the ship. That's right. And then you become the admin person. Yeah. You know, the person who sorts everything out, tries to figure everything out. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, one thing that really stood out to me is 8,000 leads. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where did you get 8,000 leads? Yeah, we've been running a lot of Facebook ads. So we've been running uh, a Facebook ad, different Facebook ads. Um, the Facebook ad that we're running right now that's working is a hot list of homes under 400,000. Mm-hmm. And that's that's value to the people on Facebook, right? Because that's who we're marketing to because it's it's a sweet price point to get into. It seems to be affordable and people do sign up for it. And then we have an automated system that sends them a link through RE Colorado. You know, that's all automated. We use ManyChat. 
for that, which is a software that kind of automates your processes. So through Messenger, the first thing they get is a, you know, here's your hot list of homes. Thank you so much. And then it's a 27-question sequence about their buying process. Some people go through it all. Some people just get their list and never, you know, go back and log in. That's okay because at least we've captured their information and we know that they're looking to buy in Denver. Uh, We target, I think, three different areas, Denver, Aurora, Lakewood, and actually Commerce City. And those are different ads with the same message, hot list homes in blank area. So, Very cool. Okay, and so do you have any idea what your conversion rate is? We're converting right about... Three to five percent on those. Uh, if you give it about that's really good. That's twelve really good. months. You have to give it twelve, 12 months. Oh, in a twelve month period. Twelve month okay. cycle. Yeah. With a twenty seven point follow up system. That is in. Is that an email? Is that messenger? We want to keep them on what they were because the easier we make it for people to go through the sequence, the more likely they're mm-hmm. going to go through it. So the path of least resistance, right? So it's all done through messenger. And depending on their answer, then they get the next question, right? Hey, um, are you looking to buy or sell? Most people will say buy. Okay, great. And then that triggers the next question. Okay, ideally, what's your time frame? And then so on and so forth. Awesome. And what's the name of the program that you use? The program is called ManyChat, M-A-N-Y Chat. Okay. Wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, and so uh, is there one person on your team that's, focused on converting those or is that the sales team's job it's the sales team Um, right now we're introducing the relationships manager right and that's he's learning Um, he's not from real estate so he just got he he has to get the basic lingo down Uh, so we're going to be training him but right now it's us agents Mm -hmm. Uh, since we know you know the process since we uh, we have better scripts um, at this point um what we know about leads and what I've learned about leads, you know, doing all this marketing is there's really two things about leads. It's speed to lead, right? Um, the, the faster you convert a lead within two minutes, the faster you're going to get to them and the faster you're going to convert them. And honestly, now that we've been doing it for so long, it's not about being the best. It's about being the first because a consumer really doesn't take their time to do the homework and interview three agents. They really don't. People think people will say that they probably will, but... Honestly, if you talk to them, if they feel comfortable with you, they're probably not going to go and interview other agents. So we know that about, you know, the lead capture process. We just want to be the first ones to them. So so the question I have, and it's interesting that you built your system that way, because when I was selling real estate many, many, many years mm-hmm. ago. <laughs> that was like last week, I was, think. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was actually trying to sell real estate, let's put it that way. Um I had a very similar process. Um, I used the newspaper, not Facebook, and I used, uh, you know, the the phone was their intake. And so um, we had a very specific path of what our agenda was to move the lead to the next level. So Mm -hmm. if I'm a lead, I'm messaging you on Facebook, we're going back and forth. What is the next step for me as the lead? Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. We really have a few things of value that we can offer you. We're always looking to add value to every conversation that we have. But really what we're trying to do is we're trying to convert you to an appointment. So a buyer consultation mm-hmm. uh, or a seller consultation. Um, it could be in person or it could be virtually. So, so a sit down to discuss what it is to work with you. Right. Okay. That's really the end goal that we're trying to get to. Most people don't know us. Most people just signed up for a list of homes. So they yeah. usually don't sign up for a meeting. Uh, the second thing would be, hey, um, 
you know, unless you're buying cash, we got to get you pre-approved because um, I can't do my job and I can't close on a property and help you get to that goal if, in fact, we don't have a pre-approval. Now, we have the best pre-lenders uh, with, uh, with the best loan products, and we'd love to get you to just do a quick phone call with them Okay, is a value add. And then we know that the lenders, when we tell them a time, we know that we expect them to call them at that time. Okay, great. So, so yeah. obviously, with the initial close that you're you're shooting for, hey, mm-hmm. we'd like to sit down and meet with you. The, uh, the is the goal there to get them into an agency agreement, or is it just to develop the relationship? Uh, we work off relationship. We're not yeah. really pushing an agency at that point. Again, they don't mm-hmm. know us. They just signed up. They're probably scrolling, looking for their friends' updates, and then they ended sure. up on our website. So that's a big leap. We're never really pushing uh, the agency. We feel like the agency just happens naturally mm-hmm. because obviously we've talked to them. We've done a buyer consultation. We've walked them through lending. They've talked to our lenders. So the odds of them working with us are like 90% okay. or higher. We really don't stress about losing a client because we never got an agency signed and they're going to go work with someone else. I think those leads, you know, they were never our leads to begin with mm. if you know, they decide to go work with somebody else. So we're okay losing them, okay. which doesn't happen often. So, so do you, uh, have a cost per lead mm-hmm. number? Yeah. So it, it's been fluctuating. I think back 12 months ago, you know, if we're looking at it, March of last year, um, I would have told you we were right about four and a half dollars a lead. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty good. Um, I was happy with that. Now, when we transition into the market and the higher interest rates and the buyer demand went down and the transactions, you know, went down 25% in quarter three and quarter four, we are more up towards the $8 range. Mm-hmm. So we had to make a decision. Do we keep doing them or do we not? Um, I, I felt like they were still going to work. Um, I was okay paying double at that point. And now we're back down to about maybe five bucks a lead uh, with, with the changes in the market and the demand going up. So, so, so what's your cost per close then? The cost per close is going to be roughly when everything is, is bundled up, we're looking at about, uh, $500. Yeah. Yeah, It's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great number. You got to remember though, $500 and that's a buyer lead, right? That is a low price point buyer lead. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. $500 $500 to make, if it's $400,000, I mean, that's, you know, that's $11,000. Still a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me share this with you guys, too. I think this would help the agents that are thinking about doing Facebook ads or any Facebook or cold marketing in general. Even though we're advertising hot list homes in Denver for 400000 yeah. what we found is when we look at the numbers and all the closings, they ended up buying a $600,000 home in Thornton. Yeah. They ended up buying a $500,000 home in Lakewood. Yeah. Like they typically don't buy where they start because mm. buyers really don't know what they're looking for. At this point, it's just an idea and it's up to the agents to get that idea and create a process for them so that they get to the closing. So honestly, um, that is just a value to get them in our corner so that then we mm. can really help them get to whatever their goals are. And, and let me clarify, because Brian's giving me the look. Please. Right? <laughs> so I am by no means saying your business model is broken. I love your business model. I think it's brilliant. What I'm saying is for those of you that are listening that think, oh, that sounds easy. It's not that easy to build what you build get the conversion rates that you're getting and generating about $500 a piece, then work with them 
through the entire process of finding a home, even at 500 to 600, is not easy right now, Mm -hmm. right? You're writing multiple offers. So my point was more of a compliment to say, that's a lot of work, man. You're a hardworking individual, and I give you mad respect for that, right? I appreciate it. Yeah, I think... With our agents, our identity is we are on the phones, we are converting them, we are getting rejected, but we're building a database and we're building follow-up with them because we know that eventually they're going to buy or sell a home. And even though it's a, it's a long game with most of these leads, we do get you know a couple times a month someone that says, hey, I've been pre-approved for 450 k my agent went on vacation, mm-hmm. never heard back from him again. What can we do? My lease is up in three months. So we get a yeah, couple that, of that those was probably nuggets. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might have been. Well, I think the other thing is, is agents always forget about the second time around, right? So you spend $500 to get possibly a customer for life. Yeah. You know, you make 11000 15000 today, but you also have an opportunity to sell that house and buy another house in the future and not have to pay for that lead. I think that's great. Right. And, you know, the reality is you're doing exactly what Zillow is doing, right? Not at the same level as they are, but you're engaging with them based on saying, hey, we can help you find houses. And then they get on a system where they're constantly receiving uh, houses and then you're just trying to build that relationship and say, hey, talk to our lender and hey, talk to you know, this person and hey, how about if we sit down and, and do a buyer consultation? And so you know, really the cool thing about what you're doing is, is you can make a decision to go as big as you want. And 8,000 leads today could turn into 24,000 leads if you cast a wider net. Mm. 100%. And now we're getting into the bomb bombs, right? Now they're going to be seeing us via their email video, you know, once or twice a month. And then they're getting invited to our client parties. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the movie night coming up and they're just going to be hearing from us all the time so that when they think of real estate, we're more likely to be the first person that they contact because we've called them a few times and they attended our movie night or the pictures with Santa or whatever event they, they might've thought was good for them. So yeah, it's all yeah. a system. I think, uh, when I started, the thing that I always remember about hearing from uh, the late Dave Jenks is your success in real estate is determined by the number of people that think of you when they think of real estate. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing video, you're sending them listings, you're doing all these things. Let's talk a little bit about that aspect of it. Tell me about the videos. The videos. So yeah, just uh, you got to get uncomfortable, you know. Um, it takes takes some some guts to go out there and film yourself. Uh, what I would tell everyone is people know that we're real estate agents. We're not newscasters. So they're okay if you're not like perfect on video. They're okay if you don't have the perfect background or if you don't have this professional setting. They just want to see you, the agent, talking real estate. Mm. And I think right now, I think with a lot of emails that are going out and everything that is being done, uh, the videos are very important because not many people are doing them. Not many people are doing consistently. So I think when you get to that level, you're just uh, setting yourself aside from the competition, right? Uh, something that I learned just recently and that I'm really trying to implement is it's we're just trying to be a little bit different than everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. You say CMA, we say home value report. Uh, you say net sheet, we say, you know, the value add. Uh, and we just have different terminology or just little different things that we're doing that just sound a little bit different that makes us stand out from everybody else. Cool. And it makes it easier on you, too. You don't have to think about 
it's exhausting to try to be the best, you know? Um, but when you think about just being a little bit different than everybody else, I think that's more sustainable, uh, for like the long-term growth. So. Yeah. And I think video plays a major role in that too, because there's so many people, I mean, I'm a big video person. I think everybody should be doing videos and, uh, yet people don't want to be on camera for one reason or another, or there's a barrier that says, well, we don't have the equipment. So is there any special equipment that you use? Yeah, literally it's just the mic. It's the little round light that you can buy at Amazon. Everything could be bought through Amazon. And honestly, I just film stuff on my phone and I get away with it uh, because, again, uh, people know that I'm a real estate guy. I'm not a news anchor and they don't have that high standard where everything has to look so professional. It's more about, hey, I expect to see Julio in my email twice a month. And then you build like that reputation and that they become familiar with you. And okay. the content too, the content could be very basic to start. Us real estate agents know a lot, but we tend to struggle with finding content. It could literally be like one example, what is earnest money? At what time do you deliver earnest money? Or what are the three main contingencies in an offer? Or, you know, how do showings work or whatever, you know, I think uh, just simplifying your content, it doesn't have to be extreme and it doesn't have to be over the top. And that helps you get through the content block that a lot of us might have. Do you do scripts or do you just kind of wing it? I have bullet points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they work better for me because if I was to read a script word for word, I would just sound like a robot. So because I feel like I'm in real estate, obviously, every day, it's already in there. I just have to kind of put talking. it out there. And, yeah. And it just starts flowing. So Kind of like what we do, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's buried really deep in there, but, you know. It does come out, right? Deep-seated bullet point. Okay. So you also do for your, your database, your sphere, your, your Mets, you do special events, and you have one coming up, a movie theater. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, our coach has been coaching us. Really, teams should have four pillars of business. Um, it's not healthy just to have one uh, because when that pillar of business goes away or it's not working anymore, you're going to be left looking for leads. So having three to four uh, sources of business is the healthiest, best practices. And you should always be reconsidering every quarter what those sources of business might be. Uh, but one of the other ones is client parties. Um, we got away from calling them client events because it sounds like you're kind of selling and stuff. We want it to be a little bit more laid back. So we call it client parties. Uh, we do four client parties a year. I, I completely agree. Yep. Nothing drives me more crazy than somebody calling it a client appreciation event. Yep. It has nothing to do with the client. Like, it's so frustrating to me. Like, let's hang out and go to happy hour. Buy me some ice cream. Let's go do a wine tasting. Let's go do something fun. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me you're going to appreciate me by having a bounce house, you know, and some freaking hamburgers on a grill. Like, yeah. <laughs> on my Saturday. Yeah, people are not that naive. So we just call them client parties. And, you know, they happen every quarter. And we lead generate around them. The thing that I will say is you have to look at it as a lead generation event. And really, the, the day of the event itself is just the event for the people to have fun, for you to reconnect. But all the lead generation is happening before and after the event. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, this movie night, April 7th, um, it's coming up pretty soon. Um, we are calling our VIPs first. Hey, just thought of you, you know, before it, before it fills up, it is limited seating. We have the Super Mario Brothers release coming up on April 7th. Um, it's supposed to be pretty good. And I just wanted to see if I could put you down uh, for some tickets. It's going to be in Lakewood. And it's going to be a 630. Do you think you could join us? Nice. 
Yeah, it's super simple. So, uh, so it's not going in the newsletter. They're not getting a mailer. It's not posted on social media. It's invite via a call. Only. Yeah, the call is the most valuable piece because if you just send them an evite, which we do, and we send them email reminders too, it doesn't feel like a relationship. And again, we're trying to go back to the relationship. I think that's why the clients, you know, um, I'm able to keep a pretty high conversion rate with my past clients. We call them clients for life. Um, is because I stay in relationship with them after closing, mm-hmm. which, you know, unfortunately not everyone does. Um, and we understand that if they show up and if they continue to communicate with us, even if they say no, at least they're hearing from us. It's something cool. Um, and then eventually, you know, when they decide to move, invest, refer their kids to a real estate agent, we hope that they would, you know, go through us. And it's been working. So, What's the cost to, for 202 people at a movie theater? Yeah, so we're doing it at the Belmar uh, movie theater there. Um, it's going to be, when it's all said and done, the actual movie theater itself with the seats um, is right around $2,700. And then for invitations and then for the raffles that we do, it's going to cost us about $3,000. And 3, I have a budget, but it's right on $3,000. And, you know, um, I was taught uh, with one of my coaches too is um, you don't have to front everything and because we're real estate agents, we have a network of people that are willing to go in on these. Um, so we really leverage the lenders heavily and just title companies or whoever to sponsor events mm-hmm. with us. Cool. Um, and they provide the raffle items. And in this case, one of our preferred lenders is splitting the cost with us. So in reality, it's really costing me 1500 The lender's um, paying $1,500 of that too. Why would a lender do that? Because they're obviously getting leads from us and Lenders really, really need real estate agents to run a business because yeah, especially now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the refi boom is over. So now would be the time to call your lenders and ask them for marketing money. Right. Yeah, <laughs> before they spend it all. Yeah, last yeah. year was actually that time because they had pockets full of money. Now they're a little more fiscal. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but we leverage. You know, if you want to do business with us, and I, and we know what we deliver, there is you know some money and some marketing money to spend. And we typically deliver, you know, um, with a lot of our marketing, people are going in on it and then we deliver and we get them business back. So it's a smart business decision to partner up with us. Do you have any idea what the results are from an event like that? Typically, what comes out of that? Do you have immediate business coming out of those things? Yeah. So typically we are getting two deals out of it pretty quick. Either our clients are looking to buy their second house, the people that immediately attend or their close relatives, or we're also um, just prepping people for the process. And, uh, you know, um, there's a registration table. Even if you've been to our events for four years straight, everyone is a forced register. Uh, But then next to the registration table, there's a person there from the team that um, to add them or to include them in an extra raffle, we ask for a referral, you know. And the more referrals you give us, the more names that get put in the, into the hat for these raffle items that we're giving away. So oh, I love that. Very cool. That's and what cool. is that? What's the raffle items generally? They change. Um, 70 inch TV. Uh, it could be tickets to the Nuggets games. Man, um, do you have any space left? Can we come? If you've I'm just going to put Brian Smith. <laughs> 303. <laughs> we are going to call you and we're going to hound you. So I don't know if you want to go through the hassle, but um, yeah, it's just another way to get referrals. And what we're doing is we're training, you know, our database and the people attending that we thrive on referrals, right? As much as we love them and everything like that. Um, 
for us to keep doing business, we have to continue to get referrals. That's a great. That's great. Idea. So what else, uh, what other events would you, uh, do in a, in a four, and I'm sorry, in a year basis, is it like reoccurring events or is it something new every year? Yeah, it's recurring. Just, we try to remove the brain work. So the movie night, and then we do the summer barbecue where we have a barbecue, um, at a park. And then we do pictures with Santa, uh, which is right before the holidays, those are the three, and then we have one to kind of play around with to see what else we can throw in there once a year. Awesome. Okay. What else then do you do with your database, your sphere, to stay in contact with them? Yeah, something that I just started doing last year is um, I host uh, investor dinners. Hmm. And uh, I stand, you know, the market changes all the time, and I always give a, a brief speech about what the market is doing, investment opportunities. I just did mine in February. Uh, me and a lender co-hosted that. We rented out a whole um, restaurant for the night. It was a private event. And it was really cool, too, because it was after uh, Valentine's Day. So they still had, like, the little Valentine's Day mm-hmm. little decorations and stuff. We didn't plan it, but it just happened. Uh, but um, as I continue to grow in my career, I understand how valuable the investment aspect is of real estate and how much of an opportunity and how very few people go after that. Um, so I'm really kind of setting, uh, starting to set the reputation and wanting to grow on being an agent that can help you with investments because it's smart, right? If buyers, if, if clients are looking to invest, we know that maybe they might be doing one transaction a year for me and that's business that I don't have to go and get every year. It's a little bit more of a mm-hmm. recurring thing. So um, working with investors has been one of my mindset shifts uh, lately. So that's cool. Well, that's going to kind of lead into my next question, if you don't mind me jumping in. (laughs) So obviously the market is, is tenuous. Nobody knows which direction it's going to go. How are you preparing for this year? And what are your goals for this year? Absolutely. Um, So we, we have the economic model, again, a Keller Williams thing, uh, which breaks down, you know, how much money we want to make. Uh, And what we did is we sat down with every agent and we really want to pour into their goals. So I I could never go to my agents and say, hey, you should sell 30 houses because we need X closings, right? It's just they they wouldn't be able to commit to it because it's not coming from them. So talking with my agents, they they decide how much money they want to make this year. And then we break down basically percentages, right? Uh, Your conversion ratio is 90% on buyers. So, you know, if you do the math and we have to get you to these appointments, I can guarantee you that if you go on this many appointments a month, that you're going to make that money. Um, And then how many, how many closings you need to have and et cetera. So that's called the economic model, which Mm -hmm. you guys are familiar with. And whoever's listening, you know, it's something that you could probably find online, uh, but it's a big Keller Williams thing. Um, but the way that we're planning for it is, um, our business is at this point, 65% buyers, 35% sellers. So we're a little bit heavier on the buyer side. And, um, we, we really, again, want to go to our pillars of business. So we want to do the client parties. We want to do the cold marketing. Uh, we want to do the database. Those are kind of the three that, uh, we're really focusing on this year and working with investors, um, and figuring out the budget for them and then how many contacts do we need to make and how many appointments we need to set and everything like that. So, so, so as far as what's going on in the economy, you're just like, doesn't matter. I'm going to focus on my numbers. I'm going to focus on my plan. Whatever happens, happens. I love that by the way. 
I love that, right? Don't you love that? I do. Yeah, it's so good. You sleep better at night. You sleep better at night. You're not trying to predict the future. I live in that place, so you know. So I appreciate that. Um, so your goal for this year is higher or lower than last year? Higher. We always want to continue to grow, and I feel like we we do have a good service to the database um, and to just the clientele that we service, so we feel like we can do better. I still feel like even last year we had a good year. There's still some holes and some voids in our processes that we're improving. Uh, so we're always looking to improve. So the goal is to do uh, 139 units this year. And nice. uh, So double. We're not market. Yeah, basically double. Yeah, about 85%. And what I really, you know, I coach with my agents one-on-one every Wednesday and they hear from me. And I think it's just who I am, but we really can't depend on the market for us to figure out how much money we're going to make this year. And I know that if you show up to a title company, there's closings happening every hour and someone is selling those houses. So why can't we go out and get a few of those ourselves? Mm -hmm. There's tons of deals happening. People are moving. Life events still happen. So whether it's an attractive time for you to move, at the end of the day, you're going to have to do it if your motivation is strong enough, right? If you just got married and, you know, you want to buy a house with the with the new wife, you're probably not going to wait, uh, you know, until the market interest rates go back down to 3%, who, right. which who knows that may or may not happen. Not even I know. Never going to happen. <laughs> Unless COVID comes back. So I have I have one more question about your goals and then I'll, I'll, I'll quit beating the drum. So you're going to go to 139, you said, transactions? Mm-hmm. Um, same agent count on your team, or are you going to increase your team at all? Uh, we definitely, I think I always go back to how much value can I provide to the agents, and is it a benefit for them to be on our team? And I think it is right now. Um, so our agent count, for us to hit those numbers, does have to be six agents. Okay, Six to eight agents, I think, is what we need for that. Based on their goals, obviously, we're always going to gear our goals based off of them. But um, I think to have six or eight agents. So I think the way that the business needs to look this year is six agents, including myself in production still. Uh, ops manager, um, we want to do the relationships manager um, that converts leads for us and is on the phone all the time. And then I like the, the showing agent um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that is licensed, someone that is very relational, someone that can show houses and talk about um, houses because sometimes we may have five buyers that we're working with at, at a time and it's hard to show five buyers at, in a day uh, because there's just not enough time in the day. So I really like, you know, for growth, I think uh, if, if you're at a place where you've got enough money coming in and you're closing deals consistently, maybe you're not ready to start a whole team. Maybe you don't want, you know, four agents on your team. Maybe you're not ready for that, uh, but at least maybe think about getting yourself a showing agent. Um, it's really smart when you look at it, how much time they give you back. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Another thing I know about you and your team is, is that you put a lot of emphasis on your team to invest in real estate. So tell me about that. Yeah, we're investment minded. Um, I always want, I think there's so many opportunities for us real estate agents um, that I try explaining to the team. It's great. There's a lot of money in real estate as an agent. Uh, But what are you doing after you get that commission check that is going to improve your financial position, right? And I think, you know, real estate, at least for me, has been the best investment vehicle. When I look at it, I do have an independent IRA, uh, not a Roth. Um, I'm over the threshold, but I do have an IRA. 
I keep it hanging in my fridge because it motivates me. I put $9,000 into it uh, back in 2021, and it grew, I think, $200 in 12 months. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like that was an awful investment if you look at it that way. I don't know much about stocks. I don't know. You know, I don't think about that too much. I just know I'm supposed to have a secondary vehicle in case. Here, here he's complaining. Mine dropped 18%. I don't know about <laughs> oh, you. okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'll take your 200 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't thrilled when I know that my investments are outperforming that. So um, everyone is investment-minded on the team. We prefer to have investment-minded agents. I just think because we're the first to get to the information, to the data, we know the pulse of the market and we know where interest rates are at and where the market is going. We also have unique opportunities with our database that maybe someone wants to sell. They call you, they need to sell now, and they're okay selling it for a little bit under value to get out of it. I just think it's always smart to be open to an investment opportunity that falls on your lap. Because a lot of times agents might say, hey, let's put it on the MLS. Hey, I've got an investor that will buy it for you, and it's a smoking deal. I think on Gary, uh, Gary Keller's podcast, I think three years ago I was listening to it, and he said, hey, these real, the, my real estate agents call me all the time, and they're like, hey, Gary, I got this great deal. I wanted to run it by you first, see if you'd like it. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to buy it. But then he said, um, I always ask myself, why don't these agents buy it themselves? Because if it's a good enough deal, you'll be able to find the money and close on it. Mm -hmm. And that always just kind of stuck with me that, you know, um, he thought that the agent should be buying them themselves instead of referring it to him. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people put a lot of barriers on themselves. And, uh, you know, you take a, an agent that's on your team and you say, hey, you should invest in real estate. And a lot of agents, I think the first thing they would think of is I don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you overcome that? And what's the conversation like with your team? Well, to be an investor, you do have to have funds, right? You can't walk into an investment with no money down most of the time. Um, so, you know, depending on where they're at financially, depending on how many deals they're closing, I always say, hey, for you to become this investor that you want, we do need you in production closing deals so that you get that capital to then be able to reinvest it into the investment side of things. Whether you want to flip homes or have long-term uh, investments and rentals, uh, we got to get you into production first so that you're making the money, you're paying your bills, and having extra money aside to get you into the um, investment side of things. So it's a lot of encouragement, just monthly encouragement, weekly encouragement. You can do this. You know, other people have done it. Yep, it's on their vision board. Um, we talk about it consistently. And then I incentivize them too. Um, we have splits on our team. Uh, but I incentivize them by saying, hey, anything that has your name on it that you're buying yourself, there's literally no team split. Mm. Like, I want to motivate you to buy as many properties and to become the best investor that you could be yourself. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, not to mention you're providing the confidence, the education, you know, hey, they can run it by you. You're going to look at it through a different set of eyes than they are. You know, I mean, that alone is invaluable, right, to have somebody, you know, with your background being able to kind of vet their, their deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did it just recently with one of our agents bought a property is going to cash flow about $800 on it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I walked him through the whole deal myself. So it yep. was pretty cool. You know? Yeah. I've said to one of my investor clients, I said, look, if you buy that one, I'll buy the one right next door. Right. Like a new construction, right. Or you buy that one, I'll buy this one. And they're like, seriously. And I'm like, yeah, I said, if I think it's a good enough deal for you to do it, why shouldn't I do it? And it probably worked out. 
It did. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So where does the team go from here then? What would you like to see happen moving forward? Yeah, I just, uh, I think we're always trying to improve. One of our big pillars is we're learning based. Uh, so getting better at our scripts, uh, getting better at conversion, uh, finding better lead sources as well. Um, I want them to be able to leverage things out. So we have a transaction coordinator, but leveraging the showing assistant heavily, um, thinking about how they're going to make their next investment, uh, and ultimately just, you know, making sure that they're on track to hit their goals. Do you have any goals as far as the investment properties go for your team or for you personally? Yeah, you know, the agents could probably tell you themselves. I know their goals, uh, but they have their goals, obviously, on how much money they want to be making and how much properties they want to have and all that stuff. For me, on the personal level, um, I'm fortunate to have built a a decent uh, investment portfolio, and uh, I'm looking to basically double that in the next three years. Get a little better results than the IRA. Is that what you're saying? much better results than the IRA. (laughs) Um, I'm really focused uh, on the monthly cash flow. Uh, The equity built up is great, uh, but if I have money coming in every month uh, that pays for my lifestyle um, and that helps me reinvest it in whatever, just pour into my parents or into my family or just have that money around, I think that just helps me feel better about financially where I'm at. So, So are you telling us that's not your Maserati in the parking lot? No, not my Maserati. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, it's a Lamborghini. Is it? Is it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. Because that's no. the trap, right? I mean, that's the trap is you start making good money, right? You, Your team obviously did very well last year. And you start making good money, and then you buy the bigger house. And then you upgrade the furniture. And then you buy the fancy cars. You know, you put in the swimming pool. Like, we all see these agents do this. And then they say, I can't invest. I don't have any money. Yeah. Right. Where as an investor, you know, and I'm an investor myself, you have to maintain that desire to throttle your lifestyle up and really live well below your means in order to have the cash flow and the liquidity to be an investor. Because it's not always, it's just so you know, it's not always great being an investor. There's ups and there's downs. And your point to equity, it can go the other way. And you're going to need the liquidity and the income to weather that storm. So, right. So what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, you're probably not somebody who's blowing all your money. I don't have a car payment. My mortgage is very low compared to what mortgages are now. Uh, It's on the low side. Uh, I've been able to build up this portfolio for two reasons. I feel like I've been very disciplined with my uh, finances So, um, and I've deprived myself of maybe some luxuries, like you said, maybe the nice car, maybe the nicer house. Um, and I think I, there was a book, I think, or early on in my career, I remember I was always thinking about deferred gratification Mm -hmm. and that's been a big factor in my life. Like this would be great now, but what if I just, you know, hold out for a little bit so that I can get this later. And I think deferred gratification has helped me a lot because I knew that, you know, if I was able to hang in there for about five years, I, was, I would be able to build something that I couldn't have if I was spending money on luxuries, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I lead a pretty, pretty average, you know, life right now. Um, there was a time, you know, uh, just a few years ago, um, I, I might have been making, you know, 
at that point, I wasn't really into all my numbers. I probably should have. You know, the account's not too happy about it. But there was probably a time where I was making $20,000 a month, $30,000 a month, $40,000 a month, and my lifestyle expenses were probably $3,000. Yeah. Wow. So where does the rest go? It goes back into real estate, you know. And, and that's the secret to being a good investor. Like, ultimately, that's the secret. You know, no matter how much money you have, you can invest. Like, that's the mistake people make. Um, I remember one of my clients, um, he was, he, I met him after he had got out of prison and I sold him his first house for $77,000 and he asked me if he could start investing. And this guy cleans commercial buildings, right? For, for, for a living and got him his first house and his second house. And I think he got up to about seven houses, you know, 10 years later, he's a, he's a millionaire still living in that $77,000 house. Wow. <laughs> amazing that is amazing okay to close us out so uh, where can everybody find you and your team online online we have a website www.thepristineproperties.com find me on facebook julio quesada last name is q-u-e-z-a-d-a instagram is just my name as well uh, the handle is at julio underscore s-e-n which stands for season and yeah feel free to reach out and i can be an open book for you guys Okay. Do you have anything else to tell us to close us out? I'd say, you know, the market, you know, it's been a hot topic for the last 12 months. Um, really, I think we should try to stay away us agents from it being market dependent and really like your, your emotions and everything should not lead towards, oh, interest rates went down, interest rates went up. Like, I think at the end of the day, there's deals out there every day. And you just got to go out there and you got to find them. So go out there and find those deals. Awesome. Drop okay. the mic. <laughs> That's right. Well, Julio, thank you for being on our podcast today. Born to Sell Denver and uh, appreciate your time. And we'll see you soon.